We are going to uh, skip the observation time tonight. I want to use that 10 minutes at the end for us to spend some time in prayer. Every fifth Wednesday of the year, um, we're going to commit that week to studying, doing a teaching on prayer. Um, the first couple years I was here at the church, I did that every month at our Wednesday studies. Um, and, and just to kind of have an emphasis on prayer. But so for this year, we're going to do every fifth Wednesday. And, you know, just it's midweek service, nothing too much differently, except uh, after we do the teaching and the study, we'll have another set of song. But before we get into singing, we're going to spend some time praying together. All right. And so um, tonight's text is, as Irene read, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. If you don't have a book, there should be one in front of you. Go ahead and get that open. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. Now, I was thinking how, how dope it is to, to study a prayer from the Apostle Paul to the church uh, at Ephesus because if you've been with us at our midweek study, we're going through the book of Acts. We're in chapter 19. Yeah, good. Um, and we're on Paul's what journey? Ooh, second almost, third, yeah, third, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> yes, that's right, we're on the third missionary journey, and um, he's in what city? Ephesus, yes, very good, <laughs> that'll work, that's probably more how it's pronounced, brother, um, but no, yeah, so, and I thought how awesome would it be, actually, to study a prayer that he is praying to this particular church, since we're kind of a little bit more familiar with the context and the history and the vibe of what's going on in Ephesus, um, last week we saw him right pouring himself out, preaching, teaching, possibly up to five hours a day for two years. And so it's, it's pretty neat now to kind of get into the mind of this guy's prayer. Um, I never loved prayer growing up. It was always awkward, always seemingly boring, and it made the food cold. Um, especially when you have a loving, lo a loving brother or sister who prays long, right? Uh, but, you know, uh, Prayer is one of those peculiar things, and, and I thought it's important that we take time to study it. Uh, out of all the things the disciples could have asked our Lord Jesus to teach them, he could, they could have asked him, hey, teach us how to walk through walls. Teach us how to fly, because Jesus can fly. In Acts chapter 1, he flies. Uh, teach us how to walk on water. Teach us how to cure the leper. The disciples who followed him all his years on the earth, they could have asked him a ton of things, but the one thing that's recorded, that Luke records, in Luke chapter 11 is the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. There's something about the way you pray, Jesus. Just don't get it. I want it. And so I think it's, it's, it's right and fitting and maybe even needed for us to spend some considerable time um, quarterly to, to just get into a teaching on prayer. Now, before we hop straight into the prayer, uh, I don't know about you. Do you guys prayer journal? Anybody in the house prayer? Like you, you journal your prayers? Maybe a computer? Okay, so just us three? Great. Uh, well, <laughs> even typing, that's fine if you guys are all. Uh, but in my earlier years walking with the Lord, I used to prayer journal. I have actually my study upstairs. There's a, there's a box, and it has all my notebooks. I haven't prayer journaled in a while, in a good bit, but I have a stack of them. And actually, the first prayer journal I've ever had um, I remember, this is maybe a couple years ago, I remember finding it and being like, oh my gosh, my first prayer journal. And I opened it up and I started to just read through the prayers. And 
to be honest with you, a lot of those prayers, I was so embarrassed. But I ripped pages out. I should have kept them. It would have been just great evidence of uh, the kind of things I prayed for. But like, I think walking with the Lord later, I look back and I realize a lot of my prayers, the sum of my prayer life in the beginning years of my life, I mean, if I want to just be really blunt and honest with myself, they seem pretty shallow. I mean, the kind of stuff I prayed for, the things I was crying my eyes out and begging God to do in my life. I mean, James instructs the church, and he said, you know, there's actually a way to pray wrongly. Chapter 4. He says, you ask, and you don't receive, because when you ask, you ask wrongly. You ask so that you can just get what you want and spend it on yourself. And I realize, you know, a lot of the sum of my prayer life and maybe even to this day, sometimes I struggle. It, it seems to be pretty shallow, or it seems to be genie-like. I just want God to give me what I want. And I realized much of how I've grown in my prayer life was not merely by just praying more. Um, I pray journaled a lot. I ripped out a lot of pages. I mean, I prayed a lot. for It looked like it on paper, but... I was praying wrongly. But the way that I think God matured me in my prayer was by praying with men and women who are much more mature and you can tell they've communed with God a lot, a lot more. Um, I remember praying with, I don't know, maybe for th some of you who are, I don't know if you've done this before, but you ever pray with an older believer and you listen to not just how they pray, but you listen to the, the, the content of their prayer, and you ever come away thinking like, oh my gosh, I never thought I could pray that. Like, I, never, I never would have thought to even request that. You, you ever had that moment? Um, I mean, there's a sister, uh, there's a sister at our church. I, I remember talking after a, an evening prayer meeting, our church, our church prayer meeting. We pray every Sunday evening in this place. You're welcome to come at 5 o'clock. And I remember her sharing, she was sitting in the prayer group with Pastor Bob, and she was just, she commented and like, oh my gosh, like, Pastor Bob prayed this, this, and this, and this, and I thought, I never would have thought to pray like that. But that sister just then in that moment was discipled in prayer. So this is what I want to do tonight. We're going we're gonna to look at the apostles' prayer, the, the man that we've been studying, the man that we've been seeing so active in ministry, so used and mightily used by God. Um, but it's exciting because I want us to look at this little snippet in his letter, this prayer, and almost in our imagination, sit in on that prayer meeting with him. Pull up a chair and say, well, maybe as we get into the prayer, maybe no need chair. Um, he apparently doesn't use a chair. But we'll get into the prayer. And I want you to, I want us as a family to be discipled by this man's prayer. Let's glean from his prayer. Because his prayer, I would even almost argue, this type of prayer is probably the deepest, richest, fullest, most powerful type of prayer you and I, anyone could ever pray. It's such a high and lofty prayer it's like as we go through it even as Irene read it if you're really hearing it I mean it's like and we'll, we'll examine it but I want and I pray that wherever we are in our life whatever, wherever we are in our journey and in our experience of God and our communion with him and prayer that if perhaps prayer is a struggle for you if perhaps prayer is something that seems to be pretty light and shallow for you Something that honestly, if you're really honest with yourself, you just, you, you don't, you, you have a hard time giving yourself to it. That perhaps a prayer like this, and praying 
like this, gleaning from it, learning from it, would allow you and I to press in into a depth of intimacy and depth of prayer with God that we, like he even says, might be so filled with all the fullness of God, it would leave you at a place and a state of mind and heart and soul where you're just like, you need more. You need more. My, my hope is, as we go through this, is that we would leave the shallow, fluffy prayers and start to tap in and immerse ourselves into the deepest, truest, heaviest, weightiest, powerful type of prayers. That's my hope. So we'll just walk right through the prayer, and um, we'll glean from it together, and then we'll get into some time of prayer, and we'll, we'll sing our way out. Got it? Gephem, all right. Here we go. Chapter 3, verse 14. Before we read, it's a letter to the Ephesian church. For three chapters, he's been teaching on the gospel. Chapter 1, how incredibly blessed you are in Christ. Chapter 2, you're made alive in Christ. Chapter 3, the mystery of Christ is that this gospel saves everybody, not just the Jews, Ephesus, but even the Gentiles. We've been seeing that in Acts. It's so what Jesus Christ is incredibly everything you need, and it's, it's all by grace, not by anything you've done. And then verse 14, so for this reason, because we're all saved by grace, even the Gentile, for this reason... I bow my knees. We're going to walk slowly through this prayer for this reason. See, when you really truly understand chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul's been pouring himself out five hours a day in Ephesus for two years to teach on the central thing of Jesus saving sinners, all sinners. And now we're one big family, one big family. That's his whole argument in chapter 3. That's why it's a mystery. But when you really see that, and when you're really struck and stunned by that, look at the posture. I bow my knees. Point one, our posture in prayer is to be worshipful. The posture of your heart, not so much, I think, on the, the method or the way in which he bowed. I don't know if, you know, Paul wasn't trying to make an argument for, you know, you bow one knee or two knee or you tebow it or however you bow. Like, that's not the point here. It's the posture of the heart. But I, just to be honest, I mean, have you ever been in your faith so struck by the love of God through the person of Christ that you couldn't help but bow down before your king? Do you get uncomfortable just sitting? Like, it's, it's not enough you have to bow the knee. This posture is something to be noted. Paul, the apostle in prayer, he had a posture of worship. He prayed his knees off, not trying to be uh, pious and religious. But he was literally brought to his knees. Kamto. It is a worshipful posture. It's also the posture of a beggar. See, he recognizes that everything who he is to this point and everything for this Ephesian church, it's all by grace. There's, there's nothing you add. You contribute nothing to your salvation, Ephesian church. I contribute nothing to my salvation. All I contributed was my sin. And we took care of this in chapter 2. 
You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. It's not of works. No one can boast. We have every reason to bow. You see that? If you're having a hard time in prayer, may I suggest, maybe change the posture of your heart. Maybe change the posture of your body. There are times in, when I approach God in prayer and I'm so full of arrogance and pride and my own whateverness that I, I almost sense the Spirit telling me, I'm sorry, you need to bow down. For this reason, I bow my knees. Brothers, sisters, friends, we have every reason to bow the knee. Luke chapter 18, verse 13, it says there is a tax collector standing far off, and he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's a posture of the heart. He wasn't bowing literally on his knees, but he couldn't even look up to heaven. Luke chapter 5, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he saw the Lord Jesus do what only the Lord can do. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, I am a sinful man. Isaiah, the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. And then he says, woe is me, I am undone. On and on I can go from saint to saint throughout the scriptures when they're before God. And they recognize who it is and who they are. You bow down. Again, it is a posture of the heart. In prayer, when we realize how needy we are, how graced we've been, our prayers have much greater depth and our posture is worshipful. It's why I love for those of you, you know, when you're leading us in church at prayer, whether it's a call to worship or whatever, I love seeing a man get up there and he doesn't rush into it. He just, just wait. It's a posture of the heart. Let's just reverence God in prayer. Let's keep going. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Before the Father. Father. That ought to wow you when you sit and think about it. In prayer, do you realize, for those of us in Christ, that you and I approach Father? Jesus said in Matthew, when you pray, pray our Father. Father? It's like that? It's like that. It's an intimate theme. See, prayer, point two, is for the child of God. Father is a term of intimacy, deep intimacy. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, God put within us a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. The Apostle John says in John 3, 1, See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. See, Paul bows the knee worshipfully, but he's aware, very aware of who he's before. And he says, Father. And that also implies you're his son. Just let it sit a bit. When's the last time in prayer 
the Spirit of God bear witness in you. And you knew you were approaching Father God. And he was saying, son, my daughter. And it says, the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Now he's emphasizing the argument that he's trying to make. Family. This is the family of God. Jew, Gentile, everyone in Christ. This is a family thing. Prayer is a family thing. And if you are truly in Christ, as Brother prayed earlier, what a gift, what, a, or what Trevor was saying earlier, like just we don't recognize what an amazing gift it is to have not just access to God, but to have affectionate with a father. I think our prayer will have much more depth and weight in it when in faith God opens our eyes to recognizing what's really happening in that moment of prayer. And I know we live in a time and in a generation where the term father is so tarnished and destroyed that any person our, in our generation could read that and it means nothing. Actually, I read father and I don't like it. But any of us in here who are fathers, and just think about this, we are so sinful and ruined, but we look at our children and don't we love them? We love them with all our guts and everything. We would do anything for them. We are so affectionate for them. The greatest moment of the day is you get home and your children see you and say, Daddy. And we are sinful to the core. To think that the heavenly perfect one says, I am your father. I cannot imagine just how much of, I just can't imagine. These are things I think about prayer that the apostle is wanting us to, to get, to glean, to learn. The question is, is have you received that spirit of adoption? Because perhaps when you are going through the mechanics of prayer, you do not know anything inwardly of Father. You're speaking to a cosmic being who's like a cop. And you're checking into your boss, what do you want me to do? Friend, if that is your heart this evening, may I plead with you. You must, you must repent and come to Christ and trust in him. Receive that spirit of adoption so you can then fully say, from everything within you, I have a father. And he knows my name. Notice it says, in heaven and on earth, that is named. It gives me... I don't even know how to describe it. The ujis or the, I don't want to say goosebumps because I don't even know why people say goosebumps, but it just gives you that, that shudder to think that when God, when I'm praying, he knows me. He looks at me as his son. It's an amazing thing, Father. Now, Father is not just merely a term of intimacy. It is a term of authority. The Jew the Jewish culture in the East, when you are the father of a household, you're the, you're the boss. You are the ruler. It has all this implication of you are the authority and we submit to you, Father. So when they pray, Father, it is an endearing, intimate um, prayer, but it's also recognizing you're, you're in total sovereign control. Prayer is a posture of worship, but prayer is also for the child of God. We're going to read a little bit more. Verse 16. Then in accordance, according to the riches of his glory, 
He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I'm going to read a, actually a good bit. Just kind of hang in there with me. Um, I told some of the guys this the other day. If the Apostle Paul was exposed to hip-hop, I think he would be an excellent rapper. Uh, he's just got a lot of glorious words. So just bear with me. I'm going to read it. Try not to get lost, but just try to hear it. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <sighs> Take a breath, Paul. You just got to imagine that guy just penning this down, right? Just... But here's what I wanted to see. In prayer, we must realize this. One, our greatest need is inward. Our greatest need is inward. Two, only the love of Christ can fill that need. We must realize this in prayer. Our greatest need is inward. Look at these terms. He may grant you strength with power through his spirit in your inner, not your outer, your inner. You see where Paul is targeting in his prayer. You got an inner problem that needs to be addressed. And you need strength, supernatural strength, spirit power strength, so that Christ may dwell where? In your heart. In your heart. Cardia, that inner self. Inner being is the inward man. It's the inmost parts. It's that part in you that's who you are. Everything within here. That's where the, the real issue is. Look at words like this. He wants rooted, grounded. What pictures do those point? Roots. That's a tree. The roots is below the surface. It's inner. The grounded, that's a building term. It's the laying of a foundation. When they, before they build, they dig and they lay. And if the builders are wise, they lay a solid foundation. See, what is Paul targeting in the prayer? The inmost parts. The secret heart. Everyone here has a heart and a mind and a soul, and all those things are min mingled together to be your inner parts. And the proverb writer says, the heart of a man is deep, deep, deep waters. You have a deep, deep well inside of you. And the problem is, it needs to be filled. But see, the solution is, only the love of Christ, Ephesian church, Nuuanu Baptist church, only the love of Christ can fill those deep, deep waters. You see his prayer? He says, I pray that you may have strength in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts for you to be rooted, grounded in love, comprehend how Depth, breath, length, height, depth, how massively big, and to know the what? The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That just, that's a paradoxical prayer. To, to know a love that's beyond knowing. Ah. But here's the thing don't get lost in the main thrust of the prayer. He says, You have an inner problem, and the only thing that can fix it is the love of Christ. Because here's the question What are you filling your heart with? 
And here's the thing I realized about my earlier prayers in my earlier years, is I was begging God, begging the King of Kings, begging the one who created everyone and everything, begging King Jesus to give me stuff, fill my heart with stuff that won't even put a drop in this bucket. Oh yeah, more money will do it. More popularity. More this, more that. More entertainment, more pleasure. Give me this degree. Give me that. You and I think that by begging for those things, it's going to fix this inner problem. No. No way. Not a chance. And that's why I think the Father lovingly sometimes doesn't give it. What is your heart full of this evening? What have you been praying for? What, are you, what have you been begging? What have we been begging in our prayers before God the Father? Fill me up with dot, dot, dot. And are we so deceived into thinking that whatever it is, if we just got that, if it was just a yes and amen to that toy or that stuff or that image, then oh, finally, I'll be full. And we wonder why we at night feel empty. And we wonder why at times our hearts feel void. We need to leave the fluffy, shallow things of this life. Thinking. We need to first repent from thinking that anything in this life could satisfy that inward longing and crave. Your heart is deep waters, brothers and sisters. You have deep longings and eternal needs. And nothing in this life can fill it. It's like trying to fix a headache with a Band-Aid. Put as much Band-Aid as you want on your head. It's not going to fix your headache. I just need a bigger Band-Aid. Okay, try it. And I think that for, the, for us in this lifetime, if you've, been on the, if you've been walking with the Lord for some time, you come to realize and you look at your prayer journals, wow, I've been trying to use a ton of band-aids when all this time what I needed was Christ. See, your soul is eternal. Everything within us is, everything inward is everlasting. So the only solution for that inward longing is someone that is eternal. This is why this prayer is so deep. We must realize our greatest need is an inward need. And only the love of Christ can fix it. Notice he says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Because I hope if you're following, you're wondering now, okay, I'm hearing you. So how does this happen? How do I stop praying and begging and actually wanting things in this life such as sin, thinking that that's going to fill my heart. Okay, I, I'm convinced. I actually have been, you know, trying to fill my heart with the wrong stuff, and it's not been working. Yeah, the, the Bible is speaking, and it, it's making sense. I feel empty. I feel lost. I feel dry. I feel just broken and tarnished. So, so okay, how does the love of Christ fill us? How does Christ make our hearts his home? How does he dwell in there? Through faith. And when you're alone, hop out of the prayer, rewind the tape, read chapters 1, 2, and 3, and you'll see 
that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ. Alone. And you put all your confidence in Christ. He is everything. And the, the, the crazy thing is, is when we do in faith receive him, it's just the beginning. And then we start to experience Father, and then we start to experience the, the height and the depth and the length, and just, it's just overwhelming. You'll never come to a place where you think, that's it, okay, I, I get it, I know the love of Christ. No, it just keeps on going. You come to your place in your life, and you're like, does it get any better than this? And, and God says, oh, it does. Every heart, every soul, everyone in this room and outside of this room, what they truly want is true love. Everyone wants to have love, be loved. Love is everything. That's what we want. It's why we do what we do. But Christ is it. He is the true, lasting love. And the question is, is have you received him through faith? May Christ dwell. That's what Paul's praying the way he prayed. Oh, God. This will, for those of us who intercessory prayer for other people, we'll learn from this because perhaps we've been praying for people the wrong way. Thinking that, oh God, if you just break through and then allow uh, that, that cancer to cure right away, that's going to do it. Well, that might buy them another six months, but eventually that person will pass. What we must pray for our friends and our, and our families who have cancer is that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith so that if they die, yet shall they rise when they die. And if in your grace, God, in your mercy, you want to glorify yourself by curing that cancer because you could do it, no biggie for you and give them more years to testify to you and your goodness, heal them in Jesus' name we pray. But friends, the greatest, deepest prayer is that Christ would fill our hearts. The love of Christ. I love, love, love how Paul says love so much in this prayer. That you may be rooted and grounded in love. But a specific love. Romans 5.8, Christ demonstrated his own love that while we're sinners, he died. It's not just a lovey-dovey, feel-good feely. It's a specific type of love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a, oh, it's a good, amazing, awesome love. A great love. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord. When Jesus reinstates Peter, what is the question he asks him three times to his shame? Do you love me? What does Paul say? If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but if I have not, love. Love. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. The only thing that matters, Galatians, is faith expressing itself through when you pray, are you in love? Are we in love? See, what makes a prayer deep is not how long you pray. It's not how eloquent you sound. It's not how emotional you are. My children can cry for candy. That doesn't make their request deep. Please, Daddy, more brownie, please. That doesn't make the request super deep. It's just he's very emotional and wants a candy. No. What makes the prayer deep? It's the Christ-centeredness, the God-glorifyingness of it, the love, the depth of love 
that you and I can taste and see in prayer for ourselves and for others that makes prayer so deep. Paul's prayer is really, really deep, not because he uses a lot of words and because the words are big, but because the love of Christ is so, so deep. It's more deeper than any of us will ever know. Are we begging God for things to fill our hearts that won't really fill it? As we finish the prayer, I want to plead with you to repent of such praying, to repent of such sin in our hearts, to think that anyone or anything else could fill this void in me. No amount of entertainment. That's why you can binge on Netflix for hours and feel yucky after. No amount of fitness. That's why you just are never ripping up. You know? No amount of money, no amount of prestige. Nothing can fill that heart but Christ. Just the love of Christ. So Jesus, come and make my heart your home. This is our prayer. Let's close out. Verse 20. Now to him who is able. Who's him? Look at the prayer. To the true triune God. Notice verse 16. Father. And then a little bit more down. Spirit at work in your inner. And then Christ dwelling in your heart. God the Father, Son, and Spirit. Just like we sang tonight. This is the him he's praying to. To him, the true triune God. Who is able? You got to say that to your soul. Preach that in prayer to your soul when you're alone. You are able. Able to do what? What we just prayed for. Make my heart your home. Fill me with the love of Christ. Make this real. Give me faith. I'm empty. I'm dry. I'm hungry. And you're it. I believe it. And I want it. So please. I repent of all the other things I try to fill my heart with, and I want Jesus. To him who is able, and then it says, I love it, to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. In prayer, remember this, and it's a great thing to remember, that his ways and his thoughts are higher. Far more abundantly than all you could ask or think. And I can't help but now, now because we're studying it, think of the context and history that Paul is in when he's praying this. He tried to go to Asia. The Spirit said, no, 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 no. He shows up finally later at Ephesus two years later. And then, not only does he get to preach the gospel, but all, of, all the residents in Asia hear it. I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, he's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. I wouldn't have never thought this one. I don't know about you, but you ever look at your prayers, your prayer journals, for us three who prayer journal, the three of us? You know, when we look back at our prayers and we re realize what we prayed for, and then we're like, oh my gosh, he totally upped the ante on that. I did not expect him to answer like this and that much more. You ever been there? Child of God, you've just been praying and praying, and you ask for something, and it's just like way more excess than you've ever thought. It's like, oh, that's our God. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. 
the biggest prayers I could possibly conjure up to pray for our church here, God in heaven saying, I got more. The biggest prayers you've been praying rightly in your relationship with God and those around you for your workplace, your, 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 your friends, your family members, all those prayers that you're offering. Know this, remember this, when we go to God on our knees, He is able to do far more abundantly than all you ask or you even thought about it. I didn't even think of that. That's the kind of God we go to, and that's so exciting for me. I can't wait to get to the place of prayer. I run there. That's our God. Don't forget that. He is able, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all the grace abound. Hebrews 7, 25, he is able to save the uttermost. The uttermost. Don't doubt our God. He's able. And our God rolls like that. He is excess grace everywhere. Do you know that God in prayer? John 10, 10, I came to give life and life abundantly. Remember how I said, we sinful fathers, we can't wait to give our children good gifts? Imagine a heavenly father who's perfect and loves you like a son and a daughter. He's just ho- he just can't wait to spill it all out. Just lavish you and I with grace. Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in prayer. Give him glory. Give him glory. You'd be surprised how quick in prayer we are to give ourselves glory. You pray, you ask, it happens, you think it was you. Uh Uh-uh. Read the book. This is all salvation. Everything is all a work of God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. It's always like that. No man can receive except that which is given from above. When we pray, let's give him glory. And lastly, he closes the prayer and he says, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Throughout all generations. In prayer, think beyond our time. All generations, not just our time. Is the sum of your prayer life you? You and here and now? See, I love the apostle and how he prays, and I love how he disciples us in prayer. Through all the generations. Past, present, future. Forever. So I think John Newton was in the right state of mind when he wrote Amazing Grace. When we've been there, how many years? 10,000 years. Why is he even thinking 10,000 years from now? Well, because he's filled with the Spirit. When we pray, I pray that we will want to have prayers that will make an impact 10,000 years from now. See, our prayers sometimes are so near, so small. We have a big God. Pray big prayers as big as God. Deep, rich, full, eternal type prayers. That's why praying for the soul, the heart, is so powerful. Like to think in this room, I'm looking at you. We're looking at each other. Those of us in Christ. Think of all the people who've prayed for you and you're so rebellious and resistant of God. And look at you now. Eyes big as saucers glued to the Bible Wednesday night at a Bible study. What's wrong with you? But look what happened to you. And 10,000 years from now, you and I are going to be more awestruck of the love of God. Rejoicing. In the presence of the King together forever and ever. I was reading 
before I came down here into the sanctuary, I just went upstairs and I looked on the board and I had the, the letter that the, the founders of this church wrote to the foreign mission board because uh, they were trying to get to Asia, but the spirit forbid them and they got stuck in Hawaii. And they started to just, they literally pitched the tent right where we're sitting. It was a big tent, not this, 77 years ago, big tent, just dirt and grass. And they've been ministering to, and now se- like 75 to over 100 people start to gather every Sunday. And they're preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. And so they write this letter back, and they said, we've been praying, and we've been thinking that, yeah, I think God wants to just plant a church here. We're going to call it New Wanda Baptist Church. So with a lot of prayer and with a lot of praying, we're, we're thinking to just plant and stay here. Would you guys support? And I was reading that and just thinking and imagining the brothers and sisters right here in this, right here in this room under that tent praying. And it's, it's 70 plus years now. I think I hope and pray and I believe God is doing more than all that you could have asked or imagined. In prayer, let's participate in this way. We're going to pray for 10 minutes-ish and sing. But use the notes and use certain, just, just first, first, first. If this teaching on prayer was so foreign to you this evening that you've yet to even tap into anything, like it just sounds like foreign language. And perhaps... Your heart is really empty. Like when you are alone, you are alone. See, the believer, when we're alone, we're not. We're with God. We're with Christ. He's in us. He dwells in us. But if that's your soul, even if you're online or you're listening to this at a later time, then the first thing you must do is repent of all the sinful cravings and prayers that you've been longing for, thinking it could fill your heart, and trust in Christ. Trust in Christ and say, Jesus, make my heart your home. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. Come and live. Come abide. That's where you begin. And so as we pray as a family, with all the saints, let's pray these deeper, bigger prayers. Pray for salvation. Pray for regeneration. As people and places come to mind, Go to the heart of the issue, the inward being. Pray. The greatest impact, I believe, and this is why I love prayer and prayer meetings so much, because I think the greatest impact we can make for our children and our children's children, because children, listen, you're growing up in a world that is going to tempt you to fill your hearts with all sorts of things that will never satisfy you. It's never going to work. Only the love of Christ can fill your heart and give you everything you need. If you have Christ, you have everything. So to pray in such a way is the, is the biggest impact I think we can, meet, we can make for the generation after us, for the souls that, we've yet to ev- that have yet to even... Come onto the planet. So, just to put that a little bit into a deeper perspective, when you pray, we'll pray. And um, I'm going to encourage us, the first, the first uh, for a minute, um, well, right now, actually, twos and threes. Just, just, it doesn't have to be a big group, but just a couple people. Um, just get together and 
the first part of the prayer is I just want it to be individual, though. But um, we'll go ahead and do that. Uh, if you can kind of just go ahead and just sit next to a couple of twos and threes, because um, then we're, right when we get into prayer uh, in a little bit, Trev then will lead us in song. But so so go ahead and go ahead and do that. Just ready, break. <laughs> we're gonna pray together. Two twos and threes. Uh, we can even be fours, but if you want to just pray with your family, that's fine too. Uh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. So it'll be simple. The first season of prayer for the few minutes is gonna be. We're gonna pray for our inward self. All right. Just our hearts. Right now, the state and the condition it's in right now. Just you know, just pray, and just it doesn't have to be long. Just short snippet prayers. That's fine. Um, I'll open us in the prayer and lead us in the train of thought because first we're going to pray for us, for you individually, and then we're going to pray corporately for our church, all right? And then we'll sing, okay? And if you want, you can look at your notes. You can look at the points, you know, um, posture of prayer, child of God. Just look at those things and kind of maybe it can help trigger your train of thought as we pray. But I'm excited for this. Um, I'm going to join a prayer group too, and we'll just for a good little bit maybe... Uh, 10 minutes, we'll just pray, and then we'll sing. We'll sing our way out, okay? All right, let's pray. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, whom every family on heaven and earth is named. Father, we come to you right now in this moment. Spirit of God, pour yourself out upon us that we might really believe and realize what it is we are doing right now. So church, as we pray, go to your Father, confess sin, ask God to fill our hearts however the Spirit leads. Just pray for the inner parts. Pray for your heart right now as the Lord leads. Go ahead and do that.
keep praying for a little bit more. Uh, go ahead and start to pray for the church. Pray for one another. Um, as the Spirit leads, let's pray for the church. Just pray for about a minute more, about a minute more. You can make this your last person and slowly bring it to a close.
I'll go ahead and close our corporate time of prayer. Just pray with me uh, as the praise team gets ready to lead us in song. Lord, we pray that as we get into song, that our souls, our spirits would continue to intercede, to continue to pray. Um, thank you so much for your word and that it doesn't leave us in the dark on this great gift of grace you've given us in prayer. We, like the disciples, beg you, teach us to pray. Take us deeper into um, intimacy and affection and uh, get us grounded and rooted and established in the love of Christ. We pray that you teach us how to pray scripture uh, as we sing songs, as we hear your word read. Um, just continue to marinate these things in and through us, solidify in our hearts a, a desire and a true obedience that we would leave singing and leave the place uh, more ready in our heart to trust you and obey, that we would be now filled, keep filling us, Lord, with all the fullness of God. Fill us in such degrees where we spill over and overflow. And so as you continue now, God, to deal with us as a church and as, in, as individuals, uh, that you'd continue to um, allow us to search our hearts and fill our hearts uh, with your Son and your Spirit. Uh, guide us as we sing and um, help us to sing as a way of praying as well. Lead us, Lord. Uh, thank you so much for your word in this evening. And as we continue to, to sing, um, do a great, mighty work, more than all we can ask or imagine. We pray this in your name. Amen.